The ability to hear what God is saying, to see what God is doing, and to move in the miraculous. Now, again, I'm assuming that all of us as believers want to move in the miraculous. I know when I first got born again, and, I, and listen to me, I, the very first service I walked in in a church like this full of crazy people, okay, I didn't know what to make out of it. People are falling down. People are running. People are getting healed. People are talking in this language. Like, now, I'm, I'm a student of languages, but I walked in that room on, on Easter Sunday morning. I'm like, I never heard languages like this. I didn't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. didn't know anything about talking in tongues back then. Okay, I walked into the middle of it, but man, it lit a fire on the inside of me. And I'm telling you, my desire is that every person that calls this place home, as far as my responsibility is, is that every single one of us get on fire for God and just want to reach every person that we possibly can, want to just get, see every person that is sick healed, see a cripple walk, see marriages come back together, see people that are have losing their minds get restored. I want to see the supernatural, miraculous power of God. Why? Because that's the church. The church isn't we come in and feel so good. I feel so good on Sundays when I go to church. Sunday isn't about feeling good. Sunday's about us coming together. And do we just did celebrating our God and then getting equipped. Why? Because tomorrow's Monday. Tomorrow, do I need to say anything more? Tomorrow's Monday. We got to go back into this cursed world and try to make a difference and try to shine a light and try to lift somebody up and try to make somebody else's life better while we're still keeping our sanity. I swear one of these days I'm going to do it. I've been so tempted at times to just say, whoever doesn't really want to listen anymore, don't just go home. But I won't. But I won't. The church is supernatural. It's not a club. It's not a social group. It is a supernatural family of God that God literally, out of his mercy and compassion and grace, has left the church on the earth for now because he has compassion and pity and desires to reach the hearts of those who don't know him yet. If it wasn't for that, then as soon as a person gets born again, we should go right to heaven. Pastor, it's a tough life. Yeah, tell me about it. But we endure this for those that we can reach. We endure this for those that we can reach. Life's not supposed to be easy. We're still in between what happened in the garden and Jesus coming back. Now, we've been redeemed, but there's a time of restoration that's coming. It's not here yet, but it's coming. And that time, life will get easier. Why? Because Jesus will be here. All right. Grab what you want. I'm going to keep going. The ability to hear what God is saying, to see what God is doing, and to move in the miraculous comes as an individual develops the same intimacy with and dependence upon the Father as Jesus had. Same relationship, 
Same intimacy. How did Jesus do what he did? Well, well, he's God. Cool your jets for a minute. Let's look at this accurately, biblically, scripturally correct. Is Jesus God? I'll say it again because the rest of you are like, oh, he's going here. I don't want to make a fool out of myself. <laughs> is Jesus God? Yes. Has he always been God? Yes. Was he God in eternity past? Yes. Is he God in eternity future? Yes. Was he God on the earth? Yes. Did he act as God on the earth? Yes. No. No. Jesus conducted himself on the earth as a man filled with the Holy Ghost and that's why he can only do what the Father said he could do. He can only say what the Father said. Okay, you listening? Yes. Now, you and I are not God. I hope you realize that. I know some people think they are, <laughs> but we're not. And we can't do what God did. In other words, I can't go to the cross and die for someone. But everything else other than that, you and I have been assigned to do. Amen. Jesus said, John chapter 12, I believe. Wow, it's in there? It's John chapter 14. There it is. I didn't even realize it was in my notes. John chapter 14, verse 12. I was gone for 12, 14. It's 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You listening? Now watch this now. If Jesus operated as God on the earth, that's a lie. Because you and I can't do the things that God did. But I can do the things that Jesus did under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yes or no? Yes, yes or no? Yes. So why aren't we doing them? Why are we satisfied as Christians to come and spectate once a week, maybe twice a week sometimes? Maybe pick up our Bibles in the morning after having our coffee, because this way we feel better about ourselves for the rest of the day. But God needs a church to get out there and do the work of Jesus. Now, again, John 14, 12 is only, only going to be able to come to pass in our lives as we discover the same relationship of intimacy simplicity. We make things too tough. We, we overcomplicate everything. One of, the, one of the missions I know that the Lord put on my heart while I was in Bible school was to demystify the Word of God. Why? I was exposed to a lot of mystifying the Word of God, making it harder than what it should have been. Or this, this underlying, nobody would ever say it, but this underlying concept that there were a certain group of people who could do it, but not everybody the elite, the spiritual ones. Yet, I don't see very many spiritual people surrounded, surrounding Jesus. I see Peter, who doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut. I see James and John, who all they want to do is nuke villages every place they go. You see Judas, who's an embezzler. We see imperfect people. But they all, had something, they all had something in common, and that was an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. John the Apostle at the Last Supper. Now, John doesn't know Jesus is going to the cross the next day. 
None of them knew. They were all in their own little world there at the Last Supper. And you go read through it, you'll see it. But John did something that none of the other disciples did. It tells us that he took, now, now we understand he's, he's probably an older teenager at this time, okay? But while everything else is going on, John puts his head on Jesus' shoulder. Now, you don't do that unless you got a really, really close. I mean, if you and I go out to lunch, I don't have to explain it, right? But you understand what I'm saying? John must have felt so close to Jesus and had such a love for him and such an intimate, intimate relationship with him. And you know, of course, today in our day and age where everything is sexualized, as soon as you mention intimate relationship, right away, people think about sex. I'm not talking about that. They're, listen, the majority of sex that's going on has nothing to do with intimacy. But you gotta be really close and feel very secure in a relationship with someone to be able to do what John did. It's no coincidence that John is the one that Jesus appears to in his majesty in the book of, and we have, we have a record for us in the book of Revelation. So this power is only gonna come when we have that kind of relationship. It's gotta be intimate. It's gotta be, it's gotta be close. It's gotta be uh, a relationship that's growing. And God desires to have that kind of relationship with us that surpasses all of our dreams. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you've probably done this. I know I yeah. have. How many have, have, have prayed or have just said, Lord, it would be so cool if you would just appear? It would be so fun if, I could just, if you could just sit here and talk to me. I, I, I know all of us have, and if you haven't had that, I don't know, something's broken. Because we battle constantly that feeling of, I know you love me. I know you gave your life for me, but you're all the way there, and I'm here. And then the Holy Spirit goes, uh, excuse me. I'm here. Are you listening? Yes. So listen, Moses had that kind of relationship. Are we talking about intimacy? We're talking about simplicity. We're talking about obedience. Because why, why is this message being presented? Because, listen, I, I keep saying this, but I don't think anybody's grasped me yet. We're in the last days. Amen. These are the days of Noah. And I'll guarantee you, although Noah probably spent about 100 years building the ark, during that 100 years, the only thing on his mind was, I got to get these people in this boat. I got to get these, I got to get as many as possible in this boat. Unfortunately, the animals responded more than people did. But his heart had to be, we've got it. How many, how come, how many can we fit? Can we move that wall? Can we take that beam out without compromising? Why? We got to fill this boat up. Amen. Why? The flood's coming. And multitudes are going to drown. And multitudes are going to get lost. We're in that time. So we've got to get out of our own way. There was a time in my life many, many, many years ago when I first got born again. There was a young man that was uh, more than, well, a friend. Um, I made a very fatal mistake one time in my early, early, early Christian days. I don't advise anybody to do this unless you have a little more maturity. This guy was an addict. I mean, hopeless, 
just. And, he, and one night he had no place to stay. Yeah. And so I brought him home. My wife went, you what? She wasn't born again yet. And I, I, I realized what it is. And I put him in a room the farthest side of the house. You know, all well, our bedroom's on this side. I put him in a family room down that side. And then didn't sleep all night. Just sat up looking for a shadow to come up the hallway. But at one point in time, then I had to drop this kid off. He would come to church, uh, you know, when I would pick him up and, and give him 20 bucks, you know. He would come to church. And this one night, I was dropping him off down a Fisher Boulevard someplace. I don't remember what he was saying. And he asked me, could we stop and get something to drink? Um, there's a Wawa down there. Yeah. You know, the one that before you get to 37. Okay. Um, that little shopping center. There. So I pull in. I stay in the car. He goes in. And you know how they have the door on one side, the door on the other side? Like when, you, when you go into the Wawa? Okay. Now, you have to pull those doors, right? All right. Well, he's got his foot in front of the door. He's got his foot up in front of the door, pulling the door, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking, and the Lord said to me, that's what the church does. That's what the majority majority of the church is doing. They create their own obstacles because they overcomplicate everything. Look, well, well, Pastor, I'd love to do this, but I don't have, no, no, forget about what you're going to do and just grow in your relationship with the Father. Nurture the anointing within. Pay attention to the Holy Ghost that's inside of you. Spend time with the Father. Acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ. Take communion as often as you want to with him. Just don't make it become too familiar. Okay? Nurture that relationship. Why? Because your life is going to be an overflow of that relationship, not an overflow of your knowledge or your education or your training. What good is knowledge and education and training if you don't know the source of that? Is this? Amen. Am, I, am I making any headway here this morning? Am I, do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, now watch this now. Moses had a similar relationship like that. Mo, Moses had a different relationship than everybody else. In fact, if you go study at one time, in fact, it's, it's Numbers chapter 12. At one time, both his brother Aaron and his sister Miriam were complaining and gossiping and backbiting about Moses because he married a black woman. He married, it tells him, he married an Ethiopian. And that bothered them. And so they're talking behind his back. Okay, and this will give you an idea what God feels like about racism, okay? So, so could I have that? Um, Numbers chapter 12. Mind you, Moses had a different relationship than the rest of them. And God speaks... And says this. Now he's speaking. Moses is there. Aaron is there. Miriam is there. And God speaks and says, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Next verse. Uh, Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face plainly, not in dark sayings. In other words, I don't mince words. He and I have the kind of relationship I could talk open and honest with him. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And go follow the rest of the story and see what happened to Miriam, who was complaining about her sister-in-law. 
See, when you have that kind of relationship with God, that closeness, you'll get things done on this earth. Amen? David had the same kind of relationship with God. David had a relationship with God that reflected that intimacy, that, rela- that, that close relationship. And listen, it takes openness. It takes vulnerability. It takes honesty. Now, most of us live our life that we don't think God can handle that. We hide things. We don't tell him the things that are bothering us. Well, how many of you know if you keep stuffing wounds and hurts that are unresolved, at some point they're going to seep out somewhere? Just a few people on this side. How many of you realize, have you lived long enough to realize that if you don't deal with something, it's going to pop out someplace? But David had that kind of open relationship. And that's what it's going to take. God can handle it. Even the times when you're mad even the t- at him, even the times when you're questioning, God can handle it. Turn to somebody and say, please, God can handle it. Listen to, listen to David's venting. Venting. He had the kind of relationship that allowed him to be open and honest about his feelings, his fears, his disappointments. Well, why am I bringing this up? Because those are the things that block us from having a close, intimate relationship with God. We want to, we want to treat God like it's another human being. Where we, don't, we try to hide. We put a fake mask on. We try to make believe everything is okay. He knows everything's not okay. He knows, in fact, he knows better than you what's really bothering you. So listen to Psalm 35, verse 11. David, 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 the king. Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of crimes I know nothing about. He's talking to God. They repay me evil for good. I am sick with despair. Most of us go around going, I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm good. Rotten on the inside, but I'm good. Yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. I denied myself by fasting for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. Now, this is both a complaint against the people, but he's also complaining against God. I prayed, and you didn't answer me. I was sad as though they were my friends or family, and I was grieving as if it were my own mother. But they are glad now that I am in trouble. They gleefully join together against me. I am attacked by people I don't even know. They slander me constantly. They mock me. They call me names. They snarl at me. Verse 17. He's talking to God. How long, O Lord, will you look on and do nothing? Rescue me from their fierce attacks. Protect my life from these lions. Then I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before all the peoples. There were times in David's life when his soul was so overwhelmed by what was going on. He was down. His soul was empty and drained. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like that? In fact, I, I, I realized a couple of decades ago that it's, this is just the way ministry is. This, this psalm describes the ministry, okay? And if you have a heart for people, you're going to go through what David just talked about. If you're going to be used by God to touch people's lives, you're going to go through what David's talking about. He was honest enough and had a close relationship enough to tell God about the difficulties he was facing 
and not be concerned that God was going to think less of him, that God was going to abandon him, that God was going to rebuke him and say, don't come and tell me these things. You're supposed to believe the best and blah, blah, blah. Are we supposed to be the, believe the best? Are we supposed to walk in love with everyone? But we get hurt, don't we? Are you guys, is the speakers working on this side? <laughs> What are we talking about here? Nobody had a closer relationship on this earth than Jesus and the Father. But you see this pattern that those that are going to make a difference on this earth, I'm talking about believers now, those Christians who are going to rise up and release the power of God are going to go through things. But listen, Everybody goes through things. It's those that go through the things and are not afraid to tell God about the things they go through that draw closer in relationship. Why? Because now I'm not saying the rest of our lives we should just be belly aching to God and God and oh God. No, I'm talking about a sign of trust is when you're willing to release the deepest things on the inside of you to another individual. Now, Mind, mind you now, be careful what human beings you decide to do that with. But with God, you can just be. What are you going to tell him that's going to surprise him? You know, sometimes, you know, we'll go out to dinner with a family or something, have little kids, and the kids act up, and we see the parents. We go, honey, we raised four kids and nine grandchildren. What do you think they're going to show us that we haven't seen already? <laughs> There's nothing they're going to do is going to shock us. It's shoving french fries up their nose. And one of the worst things, my wife blames me for this, that when we take our grandkids out, they start shooting spitballs at the waitresses <laughs> because they saw Pop-Pop do it once. I can remember the, the, the look on your son's face the first time he was out. <laughs> and I started shooting spitballs. <laughs> But you understand, my, what's my point? What are you going to show God or tell God that, number one, he doesn't already know and that he hasn't already seen in somebody else on this planet? So, so when we don't do like David did and just vent, what, are we, what message are we sending to the Lord? I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Again, I'm not saying we should go and be bellyaching constantly, but there are times when it's needed, okay? David had that kind of relationship. Number one, David dealt with opposition. David faced continuous opposition from those who repaid evil for good. And you and I are going to have opposition in this world. And listen to me. It's one thing when opposition comes from somebody who's not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you, you know, when you get hurt by somebody who's out, we say it this way, out in the world, you go, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And you can swallow that one or, or at least deal with that better. But when it comes within the church, within your brothers and sisters, when it comes from leadership or when it comes from the congregation towards leadership, because there's this misconception amongst congregations. The emphasis is always on, you hear people say, well, the pastor offended me. 
And I went to that church, and that pastor offended me. And this elder offended me. And that assistant pastor offended me. He said, well, how come you never talk about how you offend us? Is this too real? How come there's never a concern about the congregation devastating the leadership? Now, I've seen this in a few places, okay? Now, we're supposed to be, it's like we got this vaccine against that, and you guys are still shoving things up your nose, okay? It goes both ways. You listen, are you listening to me? Turn to somebody and say, is this too real for you? You have a responsibility not to stumble people, too. What time is it? David dealt with opposition. And he says, if you read his Psalms, the worst opposition he dealt with was the ones came from his own brethren. And let me tell you something. The enemy is behind that. Why? If I'm walking down the street and somebody comes past me, and this happened to me one time many, many years ago, and somebody flips me off or somebody drops the F-bomb at me, if I'm, I don't know who they are. What do I care what they think? But when someone that's close to you, someone that you trusted, someone that you spent time with, something that you, you literally experienced the glory of God with, and then that person flips on you, the enemy knows how devastating that is. That's why you and I must be very aware of our relationships. I'm talking about being protective of them. Why? The enemy loves when he brings division between Brothers, sisters, family members, husband and wife, you, you just, you fill it in. Is this making any sense this morning? So let me ask you this question. Knowing that this is going to happen, how do you handle opposition? Because let me tell you how most people handle opposition. They run to another person and infect them with the offense that they just took. And you think COVID spread? What are we supposed to run to? God. We'll run to, we'll run to 10 people and tell them what happened. Let me ask you this question because this is, this is gonna be very, very important to your relationship with the Lord. How are your forgiveness skills? Are you, are they, have you been working on them? Are they, are they good? See, David knew what it was like to be betrayed and wounded by those who were closest to him. You remember when David showed up on the battlefield, you know, eventually going to defeat Goliath? His brothers were the first ones to humiliate him. What are you doing here? Why aren't you taking care of those couple of sheep that our father has? Would you come here just to make a name for yourself? His brothers. Now, honestly, it goes back before that. Because when the prophet Samuel was told by God to go to David's house, and Samuel goes to his house in Bethlehem, and his father Jesse gathers all the other brothers, and then Samuel, and each one of the brothers came to stand before Samuel and goes, no, it's not him, it's not him, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. And then finally Samuel goes, is this all of them? Or is there? And the father goes, nah, there's the runt. David's out in the field with the sheep. So they didn't even think David worthy enough to come and join this luncheon and the prophet's gonna come to their house. And as soon as David stands in front of Samuel, God says, this is the one and anoints him with oil. 
in front of his brothers. And then eventually at the battlefield, what are you doing here? He spends 15 years running from his demon-possessed father-in-law, King Saul. You don't think that hurt? You don't think that hurt? And then finally, 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 when he's going to take the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, his wife's watching from the window, and David's like, strips down to just his loincloth because he's going to dance before the Lord. Free, 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 and his wife ridicules him. David knew what it was like to get hurt by people that were close to him. He understood that. But he also knew how to get over it. Why? Because he had an intimate relationship with the Father. David dealt with unanswered prayer. We saw that. Verse 13, David says that his prayers returned unanswered. Verse 17, David says, how long, Lord, will you look on me and do nothing? How do you handle unanswered prayer? Do you complain or do you continue to trust God? Because, you know, sometimes it's a timing issue. It's not so much that God saying, no, no, I can't do that for you. It's a timing issue. And so you better learn and better train yourself. We all had better train ourselves that when it doesn't come when we expect it, that we maybe should put it in the realm, well, maybe it's not time right now. You don't want something out of God's time. I don't want something out of God's time. But what are you going to do? Are you going to just complain about it? Do you have the kind of relationship with God that allows you to vent your concerns to him? Moses did and David did. Listen to Psalm 22. You're going to recognize these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pastor. That's what Jesus said at the cross. Yes, he's quoting Psalm 22. Why have you forsaken me? Where are, why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Verse 2. Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. Sounds like belly aching, right? But David had the freedom to vent like this because he knew his God. Then David comes to his senses. In Psalm 22, in verse 3, listen, but you are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted in you, delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you, were not ashamed. Listen to me closely. Put this up on the screen. Life lesson. Listen to this closely. Be at ease enough in your relationship with God to let him know what's bothering you, but be respectful enough to recall his faithfulness. Be honest enough. Tell him what you're feeling. Tell him what you're feeling. But be respectful enough to recall his faithfulness. Amen? Amen? Real quick, real quick, real quick. And listen to me fast, okay? King David, who wrote all this. King David, who was used to venting. King David, who knew that he can go before God and make his complaints and everything else. Had he gone to God with his feelings of loneliness, with his feelings of isolation, when he saw Bathsheba in the, in, the, in the hot tub next door, when he saw her, he, he reacted because something in here wasn't right. Look at me. I've said this before, I'll say it again. When we'll go to God with our deepest needs, God will meet our deepest needs. 
But when we stuff them and we make, make believe they're not there and we ignore them, we react and do something stupid like David did. You getting this? God's never surprised by what you say. Never, never. David knew how to deal with failure. And we all fall short. We all stumble at one point or another in our walk with God. David spoke to, things, spoke to God about things that life was throwing at him. He didn't just say everything was great. He didn't just say he was open. He was vulnerable. He was honest with God. And that's how he maintained his sanity. That's how he maintained his stability. If you keep stuffing, and, and here's the problem. We have more confidence in talking to somebody, another human being about the problems we have than we do with God. And I can just imagine God's, God in heaven going, what are you doing? They're more messed up than you are. What are you talking to them for? They got enough problems. You should hit what they're praying to me when you're not around. And this is who you're going to, to vent? Don't you know that they're going to get on the phone with everybody else as soon as you leave their house? Too real, huh? God's going, what are you doing? Talk to me. Talk to me. I'm here. I won't take your business and spread it all over the street. Let me bring it up to date. God says, I won't take your business and put it all over Facebook. <laughs> He's our creator. He knows our innermost thoughts. He knows before we voice them. And it's through our un- honesty, our openness, our vulnerability that we place all things at Jesus' feet and let him complete the work that's in us. Paul got a revelation of this. I'm convinced of that. Paul got a revelation. He understood that Jesus came to restore us back to that intimate, close, father-son relationship that Adam and Eve had. And so Paul seems to have received this revelation and understood that we can come to God, the Father. We can come to Jesus. We can come to the Holy Spirit with all of our concerns, our failures, our mistakes, without him condemning us. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, the amplified version. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment. Some of us won't talk to God about the things that are bothering us because we're afraid of his punishment, afraid of his... He knows already. He knows already. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship, by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Abba. Now, when I say Abba, some of you are thinking about a band that was around in the 70s. Now, Abba is the Aramaic word. Aramaic is a Middle Eastern Israeli, it's Hebrew and Syrian kind of mixed language, which is the language that Jesus spoke. At that time, Aramaic was spoken, not classical Hebrew. Abba really should be translated daddy. And God says, the Holy Spirit through Paul says to the church, That's the spirit that drew you, the spirit of daddy, not the spirit of God Almighty who sits on the throne with a two-by-four in his hand, waiting for you to make mistakes so you can... No, that's not the God that drew your heart to him. It's Abba. It's daddy. That's an amazing thing coming from a man who hated Christians. It goes to show you the kind of transformation that awaits us when we discover that freeing love of the Father. Paul grasped the reality that Jesus had a unique relationship with the Father. We talked about that before. 
But Jesus also taught us that we could have that same type of relationship with the Father as well. Are you nurturing that or are you hiding things? I'm going to wrap this up. Luke chapter 11, verse 2. The disciples come and ask them, ask Jesus to help them pray, to teach them to pray. And what's the first words that he teaches them? Our Father. That shows an intimate relationship between children and their father. That's the kind of relationship God wants us to have. Amen? Amen. God knows. He cares about everything we face every single day. Bring your needs to him. Do it early in the morning, please, so that you kickstart your day. Listen to what David wrote, Psalm 5. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. Verse 3, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning I will direct it to you, and I will do what? Look up. up. Most of us in the morning are like this. Well, Pastor, until they get my coffee. Now, the coffee's good, but bring your concerns to him first thing in the morning. Because if you don't bring them to him first thing in the morning, you're going to carry them the rest of the day. Amen?